Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily National Football League podcast on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. You can find this show on all of your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend about Locked On NFL. Let them know that their team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. Matt, we've got a fun little Twitter Thursday here. I want to talk edge rushers too. Get your top five edge rushers on today's program because we've got to filter through these rankings. Next week is going to be dominated by our Locked On NFL mock draft special, which I'm doing the finishing touches for the Friday kickoff episode, the first few picks, and uh, it's going to be awesome. This is really fun. I'm, I'm loving how this thing is coming together. I'm pumped for it. Yeah, I'm very excited for that massive endeavor for the whole Locked On NFL Network. That's going to be tremendous. I think everyone's going to love that. A couple other milestones, though. I mean, two weeks from now is draft night. I mean, we are Oof. coming down the home stretch here on a Thursday and it happens to be my 22nd anniversary. So you and I were talking off the air. You know, we got Easter coming on Sunday. It was my anniversary today. Uh, my wife's a saint for staying with me for 22 years. <laughs> and you're like this. We were married on 4-9, the 49ers. So I never yeah. forget it. Hey, how about that? Yeah, yeah happy 4-9, well, everybody. Right? And happy 4-9 happy <laughs> to the Williamson family. That's great news. Congrats there on you go. getting yep. to 22 years. That's and because amazing. of the way the world is right now, I don't think we're doing a damn thing for any of it. Not doing a lot, which is nice. There's no, right? uh, you know, no expectations. Just hang out, have a nice little evening at home, like you have for the last few weeks, I imagine. And yeah, exactly. I don't think it's <laughs> any different than any other day. Cook a little something extra nice for dinner. <laughs> maybe, maybe. My, my son's all excited about maybe we're going to rent uh, the new Star Wars movie. We have not yet gone to the theater, which breaks my heart. So that, that is today. a hell of an anniversary. Let's see if I can run that by my wife on our next anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about Star Wars? <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Uh, speaking of the Locked, locked On uh, NFL Mock Draft special, one of our hosts, Patricia Trena, who is the host of Locked On Giants, she will be picking for the Giants at number four overall. Uh, she had the great Daniel Jeremiah on her podcast this week, and I want to play a little clip here that will lead into our edge rankings and you can find that whole episode of her conversation talking specifically about giants and prospects but really the draft as a whole and those prospects here is daniel jeremiah with patricia on locked on giants i think when you look at gross matos from penn state you know i I would say guys like that had a chance to help themselves you know even push up higher in the draft but they're not going to fall that far um you know chase on from lsu again if you had a chance to work out and, and run really well maybe he can approve his stock but i don't see them dropping that far so i had 11 guys in my top 50 that did not run at the combine but i don't really see too many of them uh, being negatively impacted by it uh it, it's more so the guys that just, you know, you're hoping they would get a chance to get healthy by the time they got to their pro day and that didn't happen. Um, you know, that those guys, you could say, okay, maybe it impacted them a little bit. Another one would be A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. He actually ran at the combine, probably wishes he didn't run at the combine because he ran slow. He ran a 504. So he would have had an opportunity to, to improve that a little bit at the pro day and that, uh, that disappeared. So yeah, I think you'll see some minor movement. I don't think it's going to be quite as drastic as some people think. So that's an interesting take by Daniel Jeremiah, and, and essentially he's saying that the question was, you know, not working out at the combine is going to hurt some of these edge rushers, and this class is really weak behind the top guy, who's the top guy on your list I'm looking at here, the top guy on everybody's list in Chase Young, which shouldn't be a surprise, and how do the 
players filter in behind that. And I have talked about how uh, a lot of the players that didn't run at the combine, it's going to hurt them for getting into that second round range. And essentially, DJ is just saying, you know, GMs just have to trust the tape now. And you know, Jason's athletic. You know, Yitir Gross Matos is a good athlete. So treat him as such. And, and they, they essentially don't get a chance to, to prove that with their workouts. Yeah, I, I want to rewind a little bit here because D, I'm a big fan of DJ's work. I think he's really, really good. And I don't think I've ever told anyone on the podcast that his first day as a Brown scout was the day after my last day. So maybe he even had my my uh, office. I have no idea. You know, so <laughs> I got let go and um, Phil Savage brought his group in from Baltimore and DJ was one of them. So we may have shared an office, you know, year after year. Who knows? Um, a couple things he said, though, I, Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide just came out from The Athletic, and it's very, very good. I urge people to check that out. I sat down with Dane at the Combine, and I have the edge rushers in front of me, and it kind of dawned on me as DJ was talking there that very few of these top guys, like of, of Dane's top seven, only Epinesa has a 40 time, and of his top 10, only four of them have 40 times and Epinesa and Grant Granard and Ana all are bad, you know, like as yeah. DJ mentioned. And I mentioned that because as edge benders pass rushers off the edge, I do think athleticism is more important than other positions. And of all the positions, that might be the one that I want the numbers the most, especially like three cones and things like that. Yeah, and maybe, yard splits. maybe not even 40s as much. And I think cornerback yeah. and you know, what's surprising when you look at correlations to especially 40 times, but workout numbers at the combine and actual performance in the NFL corner and offensive tackles, surprisingly, are the yep. two highest as far as what you look at 40 time and checking out their athleticism versus, you know, how well they play in the NFL and corners, I think, will be the big one that are really affected in the draft. With pass rushers, yeah, it's more about the flexibility, the short area. What was their 10-yard split on their 40? What does their three-cone time look like? Can they bend around the edge? And you can get a lot of that stuff from watching tape. So I think it's a little bit easier at that position to say, yeah, this guy's a great athlete. This guy's not. Nobody expected Epinesa to have some fantastic workout. Everyone knows that Chason, when he did work out, was going to fly because he can fly and he can run. So that said, what are we looking at here uh, after, and we can just go right by Chase yeah, Young. I don't know if you it. want to say a few words on on how you would maybe would rank him against the Boses of the world and some other top edge rushers, but Chase Young's clearly... I had all of them. <laughs> I oh, mean, really? with okay. all respect to my... I mean, we said these things about Miles Garrett coming out, so let's not be super, super short-sighted. And obviously, the Boses are tremendous players. Um, I'd probably go back to Julius Peppers, though, in terms of, you know, who Young can compete with in terms of being a prospect coming out of school. Yeah, that's that's uh, frightening. And actually use the right. word frightening here in your write-up about Chase Young uh, in this article I'm looking at. So here's the question now, and this is going to be the biggest question. What's the gap and who's number two on your board as an edge defender? Well, I cheated a little. I put Wisconsin's Zach Bond as my number two. And if he was on your linebacker list, I would understand he really screams Patriot, Van Noy, Ninkovich, but he has a lot of sacks. I mean, he drops into coverage. He plays the run super well, does everything extremely well. It wouldn't shock. I think he's going to go somewhere between pick 22 and 40. You know, that's a pretty wide neighborhood, but maybe even the higher end of that. Patriots make a lot of sense. I had him mock to the Patriots when I did that. Great football player. 
but not a true, true edge in the sense of the word. Right. And he did get a chance to work out, which probably helps mm-hmm. him as well. And he worked out nicely. I think he ran in the four sixes. He's a little bit smaller. He's actually smaller even than, than Chase on was. He goes about just under six, three. I think he was uh, 239, 238. And if he's going to play full-time edge, even as that outside linebacker hybrid guy, he still needs to probably get a little bit bigger. But unlike Chase on, he's got better production and he, played really well on the edge and that's kind of his position so some people talked about how he could be an off-ball linebacker and that's fine too but I think his best value is one of those hybrid schemes where he can be a stand-up rusher as an outside linebacker yeah I mean, he can do a lot but do I want him taking on tackle tight end double teams play after play right. or banging against tackle snap after snap probably not I mean his size worries you a little bit from an every down standpoint but I didn't know where to put him so I put him with the edge guys no, I like that. I like him being with the edge guys. He's definitely a hybrid player, but so is Chason, who's the next on your list. Yeah, uh, Chason's the youngest of all these guys, which I think is encouraging. And I mentioned athleticism. We don't have his numbers, but he's a very flexible edge bender with explosive traits. I mean, that's very obvious. And I'm sure the test would have told us that. But I, I mean, I, I see enough on tape with him to say I have no problem athletically change of direction fluidity the one thing bothers me a lot though is the sack numbers are bad i mean lsu was winning by a million every week putting up a gajillion points and everyone's had to throw to keep up with them and he's not getting home yeah when it when it comes down to winning in the nfl does he have the technique how long does it take him to develop that technique and if he's used part-time as an off-ball linebacker then is he just more of a blitzer than anything and I, I basically put him in the same grouping as I would with Zach Bond and I like them both as stand-up edge rushers I don't think teams are going to look at either one of those guys and say I want him as a defensive end taking on blocks they're so athletic they could play off the ball and Chason you know obviously the burst is there the burst is on tape Bond has better production than Chason you're flipping a coin there's some boomer bust there but we could be looking back in three years and saying man Chason I can't believe some team stole him in the 20s of this draft because he's a stud edge rusher now and he's a 10 sack a year guy I really think that coaches will like him more than scouts you know coaches will see the traits and say I'm an awesome coach I'm gonna get so much out of this guy (laughs) so he might go to a team where coach has a little more say in the draft process than the scouting GM styles. And when it comes to, we've talked about how we have a top 16 blue chip prospects. And yeah. after that, it's wide open. I could see Chase on going 17. I could see him right. falling even into round two. I, I, I liked the package that Harold Landry had a few years ago. He fell to pick 40, which blows me away. He had better production. He had similar workout numbers to Bond, size a little closer to Chase on. I was blown away how he was not a first round prospect and he ended up being a member of the Titans and played that same role as an outside rusher. I just think that position sometimes can fall because you're a little bit of a tweener. You don't fit every scheme. And if Harold Landry fell to the second round, then I just don't know how far some of these guys can fall, especially since there's a lot of boxes left unchecked by someone like Chase on. Uh, I want to pause here really quick, get to the rest of this rankings on edge guys, and then we'll get to our Twitter Thursday questions. Okay, looking at the edge position, Matt Williamson's rankings start with Chase Young. No surprise, number one, Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, a stand-up, Outside linebacker type two, another stand-up rusher in Caleb on Chase on three. Who are four and five now on your list, Matt? I go with Gross Matos from Penn State and then Epinesa from Iowa. And I'm not super enamored with either. You know, I mean, Gross Matos to me, there's a lot to work with. There's another one I bet coaches will love. 
has a lot of pop and heavy hands coming forward, really looks the spot, you know, looks the part, long arms. Wow, that's what an edge guy should look like. It also seems like he's missing a little something, and I don't like him playing in space. I don't know that he changes directions super great and kind of needs a little more work to refine his pass rush skills. Epinesa, I think at this point, I want to see him also in more of a hybrid scheme, a five technique, three, four defensive end. I want to see him rushing from the interior, maybe on passing downs, really strong hands. He reminds me a lot of Eric Armstead of the 49ers and the way that the Niners used Armstead last year is the way I would love to see Epinesa get used in the NFL where you're on the edge on early downs and he's really strong and and he's, he can, he can move people with his hands, but he's just not super flexible as an edge rusher. I wouldn't want him trying to rush the passer full time from the edge. You know, you can move him around a lot, but I want him rushing from the inside probably where you would have an athletic advantage more against guards and, and using that power and using that strength inside. So sort of a hybrid guy uh, on the opposite end of things compared to chase on and bond where he's more of a, end tackle combo rather than a, a outside linebacker edge combo. But Yeter Gross Matos for me is my edge too because of that length he has. I mean, he he, he fits every scheme. Defensive end or uh teams that run a four three are gonna say, yeah, okay, six five, two sixty five, long arms, that length. He's really athletic on top of it. And he had more production uh is in the sack department while being still raw because there's a lot more to come. So you look at the projectability of his body and players like Jason Pierre-Paul and, and Chandler Jones and guys like that in the past, that's what he looks like athletically and physically. So I think if you're trying to project a guy who's the best pure defensive end pass rusher after Chase Young, I think teams will bet on Gross Matos. That's why I have him number two, and I think it might even surprise people how high he goes because of those things. He just checks more boxes for me than the rest of these guys. You might be very right on that one. I might be selling him a little short. You you sold that pretty well. I mean, when you start saying Chandler Jones and those style of players, Pierre Paul, he does fit that mold. And what it, I mean, it, let's just close our eyes and pretend he had a really good combine. We might be talking about him in the top twelve. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. It, and you don't want to double count the athleticism. It's like mm-hmm. who cares if Chase on works out because we knew he was going to work out great. If he works out great, you're going to move him up, even though you already knew that. You know, you don't want to double count the stuff. We're seeing some of that with Henry Ruggs too, and talking about him being the top wide receiver coming off the board in the top ten. It's like okay, we knew he was fast. Don't double count the forty time. But Gross Mato said in an interview that. He expected to run in the four fives if he ran. And to me, I'm like, gosh, why didn't you run at the combine? If you're going to run that fast, blow everybody away. And now he's not going to have a chance because that would have really been like, oh, okay, 6'5", 265, and you just ran in the four fives. I mean, even if you ran four sixes, that's like crazy. Look out. Right. Then I bet I'm saying, oh, he's one of those 16. Let's make it 17. Right. You know, and maybe that's just me being a little bit short-sighted because if that's truly what he is, People are going to love it. <laughs> oh, no. Doubt. Um, real quick, I just want to talk about Epinesa real fast. Is Combine didn't do him any favors. I mean, he came no. in a little over 6'5, 275, ran over a 5, you know, 5.0440 is bad. And how I described him on the Steeler airwaves, I'm going to equate it to your Niners too. I think he's more Aaron Smith than he is TJ Watt. I think he's more Justin Smith than Alden Smith. You know, I mean, right. He needs to maybe put more 10, 10 more pounds on and just stay five technique ish. And one thing I will say with Epinesa, you, you athletically, you're like, ah, you know, he doesn't wow me. Maybe we'll pass on mm-hmm. him and get one of these guys that have a better upside. There's 
arguments out there in the scouting world. It's like, well, does athletic ability determine upside or is upside determined by what's going on above the neck? Are you smart? Are you tough? Will you, do you have a nonstop motor? And I think Epinesa has some of those things. Like he keeps coming, he comes at you and he's strong and he's not going to get pushed back. And, and you have to stop the run before you can get to third and 10 and rush the passer. So don't undersell uh, Epinesa just because maybe he doesn't wow you athletically as an edge guy. Right. And a lot of sacks in the NFL level are hustle sacks or a little bit later in the down. And he's going to get plenty of those type of things. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I do want to get to this Twitter Thursday. We've got a bunch of questions. I just want to throw a couple oh, other sure. names that didn't hit that I don't, I don't want to break them down or anything. But I just want to throw people out there that I like okay. that are off the edge here. Or is Jabari Zaniga from uh, Florida. I'm big on him. Um, I also am really intrigued by Tennessee's Darrell Taylor. And the Tulsa kid, Travis Gibson, all, all mm-hmm. three of those guys, I think, may end up being values third, fourth round. And they all have a little something wrong with them. But I think they have a chance to be pretty good players. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of late round darts, mid round darts to throw. Daryl Taylor from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those guys. There's a guy that goes by the name of Tyshawn Renner from Middle Tennessee State. And he had a little bit of buzz because Bill Belichick himself went to the pro day at Middle Tennessee State to work him out rather than go to the combine. So there's a name to remember in round seven when the Patriots are on the clock. That's a good nugget. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's talk. Actually, let's flip to the other side of the line of scrimmage. And Tom has a question on Twitter. He says, Broncos biggest consistent need since 2015 after quarterback has been offensive line. Is there any realistic way Wills could fault them would be a great foundation piece? What do you think offensive line at 15 for the Broncos? Could be. Um, I hate to bring things back to the Steelers, but I have a lot of faith in Munchak to get that thing going better, and I think it got better as the season went on. They made a few moves. I mean, Jamar Taylor was a guy last year that, was he hurt all the year? I mean, he missed a lot of time, and you get him back, I think that would help. Um, I think it's a possibility. I think they'd like to go add one of those tackles. I think it's more likely they go receiver. I mean, that most people mocks them to. And I also think it's maybe a 20% chance one of the top four tackles is still there. And I guess they could trade up and make that move. But I'm not sure that that's the, the direction I would take. I think they have an extra pick or two on day two. Yeah, they have three third round picks, actually. So they can mm. move up a little bit if they want to. Will the teams right in front of them want to move? Because they could go up for wide receiver. They could go up for offensive tackle. Because if you look at the teams from basically eight through 14, there's a lot of tackles and a lot of wide receivers that are going to go there. There is a good likelihood somebody falls there that the Broncos could really use and really like though. And they're in that top 16 that we've talked about to get a blue chip guy. So do you want to trade even though, you know, a good player is going to fall to you or do you want to go attack the position you want? I think with Tampa right in front of them, it's, I, I, I just, there's so many different scenarios where the tackle run ends one pick right before him. So I would say yeah. there's not a high chance, but there's definitely a chance. One of those top four tackles is still there for the Broncos at 15. And if not a tackle, then there's still a good chance that maybe one of the wide receivers. And if not, then maybe they're looking at CJ Henderson at corner. So they're still in a good spot at 15 where I don't think they have to trade up, but if they really want to target one position, they might have to get up in front of, you know, the jets Tampa, to make sure they right, get their yeah. top wide receiver or tackle. Yeah, well said. I'd also throw Kinlaw in that mix where one of those guys that we mentioned, the four tackles, the three receivers, Kinlaw, Henderson, one of those guys will right. be there and they all would be open arms to me. But you're you know the, the point of 
you could easily go up two, three spots and grab the fourth tackle. I mean, and if it costs you a third at most, great. I mean, that might be worth it. I don't think that's a bad move. But there is the big hole with that second receiver spot. But maybe that's your second round pick. Or you move up in the second round with another one of those thirds and go get a guy. More Twitter Thursday coming up. We've got questions about where Jordan Love could land and some other good ones next. Solman on Twitter has a question here about Jordan Love. He says, why is there no chatter around Jordan Love to the Saints? Seems like the Saints have set Mm. this up perfectly, tendering Taysom Hill at the highest level. Love could fall straight into their lap at 24. Uh, One thing I will say is 24 feels about right. That, That area in the 20s. Again, after the blue chippers are off the board, who likes a quarterback? Who has Jordan Love at the top? When you're drafting a quarterback, you're not drafting him as an immediate need for year one, maybe a team trading back up from later in the second round to get Jordan Love at the end of round one. That's the right area. What do you think? Saints getting their future quarterback. Yeah, and I've said this a million times on the podcast. Quarterbacks go earlier than you think. But there's been so much quarterback movement who would be that team to get the 19 20, 21 from the second round, assuming Miami, the Chargers, and Cincy all draft a guy in the top six, which is maybe a, is taking too much of a leap of faith. I don't know how many teams are still in the Jordan Love market, you know, but I didn't think Baltimore would come trade up for Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago. I mean, there's always somebody that likes a quarterback and will do it and sit him for a year, which I absolutely think Love should do. So I think the Saints just staying put, if he's there, make a ton of sense. And then I want to throw another team at you that I'm really warming up to this idea. How about Green Bay? Wow, yeah. And, well, first of all, he has to fall to 30, and right. or he has to fall to, to 24. I've seen people, and that's the thing. Was, I think he's probably the number one player. I think Herbert, too, where the third – I mean, I don't think it's a guarantee that three quarterbacks go in the top six picks, but if you're doing a mock draft, you almost have to make it fall that way. Mm-hmm. Where or they the quarter- fall forever, right? Yeah, where they go will be huge. Maybe only two go, and then Love falls into the second round. Maybe all three of them go early, and there's a frenzy of teams trading up for quarterbacks, and Love ends up getting snagged at. There was a mock draft I saw where Love got or he got right. snagged at number six because multiple teams traded up in front of the Chargers to grab their quarterbacks, and all of a sudden they took a quarterback there uh, at six. So. Uh, in love. And so you could see any number of equations of a team trading up to get him at the end of the round, at the beginning of the round. He's a real wild card in this draft. And I could see any number of things. And the Saints value the quarterback position. They had three last year that they, you know, spent resources on and they just tendered one and let Teddy go. They're, they're an organization that doesn't have a lot of current needs. They could absolutely do that and, and try to get their quarterback in the future because, you know, Breeze doesn't have that much left in him. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, and they don't have a lot of needs. They are very win now, though. I mean, their move year after year, offseason after offseason, isn't really thinking down the road. (laughs) I mean, their mentality is, let's win this thing now, and maybe Peyton and Breeze are both right off in the sunset and leave the credit cards maxed out behind them and don't care. But it does make a lot of sense, and you could truly redshirt him with the Saints. Like, I don't even think he'd be active on game day. Oh, right. Yeah, he would not be used at all early on. I mean, I couldn't imagine it, but... And hey, Breeze has had some injuries recently, too, so maybe you want some more coverage at quarterback, even if you are trying to win now, just in case, like they had uh, in the last couple of years with Teddy B on the roster. Let's go to Devo. He says, who's the player unanimously mocked in the first round that you see taking the famous draft day slide? 
I don't know, because that top 16 I often talk about, maybe one of those guys isn't as good as I think, and he falls, and I go, wow, what happened there? I mean, did he have something medical pop up at the combine I didn't know about? There's always yeah. that possibility, but I just don't see it. I don't know who that guy is. Um, I think you and I both did mocks where Brown from Auburn fell more than he probably should just in terms of the tape and what a good player he is. Cause there's some, some, there's some landmines where he could get past Carolina and Jacksonville. If other people are there mm-hmm. and go 12 to 15 and he's not the 12th to 15th best player in the draft. Right. And just because they're interior defensive linemen, not edge defensive linemen, Kinlaw or Brown, I could see taking a little bit of a tumble because they're close in rankings. And some of those other blue chippers might go in front of them at wide receiver or offensive line or cornerback, depending on team need. So I could see, you know, a small slide, but it's not like a slide out of the first round type of a slide. Mm-hmm. I talked about Chase on maybe the Harold Landry slide where he surprisingly falls out of the first round because he's in the first round of every mock draft. But you mentioned it. It's the off-field stuff that'll probably hurt players the most and not being able to fully vet those guys. And a lot of times we don't really hear about it until after the draft. All of a sudden you hear about, oh yeah, this guy had you know, a narrowing of the spine that they found at the combine. Right, it's like, why right. didn't we get that information? <laughs> you know, And right. a player a falls completely out of the first round. I'll give you one. Christian Fulton, cornerback. I think he's the third best cornerback in this draft. He's mostly going in uh, the second half of the first round in every mock you look at. He got suspended. I think he gave a fake urine sample because he didn't want to get busted for smoking marijuana. And then instead of taking the test and getting in trouble for that, he let somebody else pee in the cup for him. And then he got in trouble even more. I think it was a two-year suspension originally. And then it, he appealed it and he got it knocked off. It was just the one year that he missed. I think either teams find that, you know, decision making is going to be a problem with some of these prospects, guys like that, where there's an off field thing that they can't fully vet and they don't feel really comfortable spending a first round pick on a player. I think those will most likely be the reasons you see a player fall and the quarterbacks, they could go super high or they could fall further. Who knows? Maybe Justin Herbert's sitting there in the twenties and nobody's selected him yet. It could be an Aaron Rodgers thing if the Chargers and Dolphins yeah. go a different direction. I mean, if Tua and a tackle go there, I think Herbert will slide. And it's not a knock on him not being a good player. It's just other teams need something else. And a lot of these slides are interesting to me, like the corner situation you brought up. Like, let's say we think there's going to be a corner run in the 20s in the second half of the, the, the first round. And the top two guys, of, co- of course, Akuda and we'll say Henderson are off the board. And pick your corner is fourth on five boards of teams that need corners. But the third guys are different on every board. And the third guy just happens to be there. You know, like it doesn't mean they don't like you. They just happen to like somebody else that was available slightly better. And if you're one, you know, if you're one behind each of those slots, you can fall to no fault of your own. And all the teams are probably like, why is that guy falling? We loved him. We almost took him. And so that's a lot of the way that 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 works as well. I'm also curious, you know, you just happened to mention the marijuana thing. The teams care anymore now. That's the other thing. It's like, well, who cares? And in the new CBA, if I'm not mistaken, that's not even going to be a problem anymore. Right. So that could be an issue where they're like against them anyway. I mean, some old school owner. I I think, yeah. And I think old school, I think more it's like, okay, 
why are you making dumb decisions? Like, we like you. We don't even care if you smoke pot, but what the hell are you doing trying to fake a urine sample? That's incredible. That's way stuff, more dumb. Yeah. That's a lot more stupid than the the original thing you screwed up with. So I, I think that'll be a bigger problem. And, and only having a teleconference with a guy, I don't know how much you can learn about another human being. And character stuff weighs pretty heavily in a lot of draft rooms. Right, right. But I would hope that 32 teams don't say... You know, it used to be like when I was in the draft room, it, the negative column was, we think he smokes a lot of marijuana. I'm like, oh, you know, I hope they don't <laughs> care now. But uh, does some 80-year-old owner care? He might. How 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 far would our listenership fall if we didn't let people who smoked marijuana download our podcast? <laughs> right. <laughs> Especially your hometown, I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, here's another name. You talk about followers or host a podcast, right? Yeah. How many pod? How many? <laughs> how many fewer podcast hosts would we have on the network if uh, if, you, right. if we got tested and you couldn't smoke marijuana? Um, what about this Tua for a follower? Right. It would have to be so medically based, right, which exactly. is very possible because he has a lot of injuries. Not it's not just the hip, and because most people expect him to go top five at the at the lowest, so. Maybe Tua's the guy that gets past six. And then it's like, okay, who's going to trade up for Tua? And then teams get that. I remember it was uh, the, the year Aaron Rodgers fell. It was the Packers who called around before they drafted him. They're like, is there something we don't know? Why is he, gone? Why is he not gone yet? Mm-hmm. And teams are like, no, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. So the Packers drafted him. I wonder if that'll be, you know, people will be like, oh, well, if the Dolphins didn't draft Tua, there must be something <laughs> wrong here. So maybe we should wait on that and let's not get excited. And who knows? Maybe he falls and then the Patriots and his connection with Sabian, uh, Bill Belichick says, you know what? Now let's go get our quarterback. That, I mean, that would really, yeah. that would be the thing that shakes this draft up is a Tua fall. That's what I was going to say is then, and then Belichick gets them and he's rookie of the year and they win <laughs> six more Super Bowls in the next 12 years with Tua. And, and you know, <laughs> I could certainly see that. I mean, but if he fails physicals, he's hard to draft. Or if all you have is an MRI and you, and these GMs are I'm sitting over here coughing yeah, after yeah. we were just talking about host smoking marijuana. If everyone, I bet everyone's oh. out there like Williamson's pulling bong hits as he's doing. Yeah, that. exactly. What's going on right now? <laughs> Celebrating your uh, anniversary a little early there, or are you? Right. Co- or are you? Or are you coughing because your cat came over and left you a present, which tends to happen sometimes during the podcast. <laughs> I know that didn't happen this time around, but wow. Uh, all right, I'm we're also at... not infected, by the way. Okay, good. Of, something went down the wrong pipe. Good news uh, that doesn't transfer <laughs> over these wires uh, over teleconference for us either, which is good news. So. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, we're out of time here. Everybody, you got to check out. And if you're a subscriber, I know you're already ready for it. It was such a huge event last year and so fun. It's going to be even bigger and better this year. And I can't wait. Let a friend know if someone needs something to do, go for a walk, whatever. Locked on NFL mock draft special kicks off tomorrow. We'll hear from all 32 hosts on the network, college hosts, analysts, locked on NFL draft, draft dudes, everybody involved, including, of course, Matt Williamson and myself kicks off tomorrow. Locked on NFL draft special right here. Locked on NFL.